Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Shalom Yehudim, shalom l'bnei noach, shalom l'goyim. It is the evening of the third day, Yud B'chodesh Teves, Parashas V'yichi, Tav Shin Pei Beis, 5782. The evening of the second day, Monday, 13 December 2021, for posting on 15 December. You're listening to the program, program podcasting on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, coming to you from the most coveted real estate on the face of the earth. In this edition, we shall ponder the meaning of Al-Aqsa Mosque. And I don't mean just the, the name, it means the furthest mosque, implying furthest from Mecca uh, among three, Mecca, Medina, and this one. I mean, ponder uh, the importance of the mosque in Islam uh, that is in possession of the Jews' Temple Mount. Without possession of the Temple Mount, Islam is a dead letter. It cannot exist without possessing our Temple Mount, as proof that they are the believers in the one true correct religion of Ibrahim, a name they can't even pronounce properly. It claimed to be in possession of the correct version of his faith. As the Jews, they believe, lost their special covenant with Allah for their sins. The Christians had it for a while until the advent of Muhammad, the opposite of peace be upon him, with the final revelation. Muhammad claimed to be the last and greatest prophet in the Jews' Bible. Possession of the Temple Mount is proof evidence of Islam as the rightful owner of this site that the Jews used to have but lost. The catalyst for this edition was an illuminating piece of journalism by Nadav Shagai in Israel Hayom on Friday. He, uh, he writes a lot about the uh, Temple Mount. He's come into his possession documents, uh, basically a pile of suicide notes by the Muslim maniacs for whom murdering Jews at random and, and in the knowledge they themselves will be killed by the Jews. Uh, these contain references, independent of each other, to Alaska Mosque, wrapped in anxiety lest it be demolished by Al-Yahud, the Jews. Worried about that. As you'll hear throughout the uh, Zionist uh, rebirth of this land, Al-Aqsa Mosque has on numerous occasions been the uh, spark that ignited major Jew-killing orgies. Imagine mobs of Arabs, not just an individual, behaving as we saw last week in that security camera video of a sudden knifing of a Jew in our holy city by an Arab in a frenzy, stabbing the Jew again and again, plunging his dagger into him again and again. And uh, we'll get started after the following message or messages from Israel News Talk Radio. Hello, I am Walter Bingham. If you want to hear the news behind the news and the true perspective on world affairs, then The Walter Bingham File is the program for you. We bring you interviews with the movers and shakers, political commentaries, and on-the-spot reports of events as they happen. All here every Tuesday, 4 p.m. Israel Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And it's all archived on our website. Make it a date.
שלום ליהודים, שלום לבני נוח, שלום לגויים. It's the evening of the third day, יוד בחודש טבס, פרשס ויחיטה, שפ"ב 5782. The evening of the second day, Monday, 13 December 2021. You're listening to the program, program webcasting on israelnewstalkradio.com, coming to you from the most coveted spot on the face of the earth. One of the things I like most about anti-Semitism Yeah, you heard me right. One of the things I like most about anti-Semitism is the unwitting agreement by the Gentiles that the Jewish nation, uh, the Jewish religion, Jewish homeland, uh, this is all unique in the history of mankind, i.e. We, we, we really are the chosen people. Uh, if not by God, that's a statement of, that's impossible to prove, a statement of faith, then we are chosen factually by mankind for special treatment. Normal Israelis and Jews don't like it when the U.N. bashes Israel, but I do. It's a proof of the prophecy of Bilaam, the uh, sorcerer who gazed upon the children of Israel camped on the east bank of the Jordan River thousands of years ago. And uh, one imagines he stood there slack-jawed at the scene of a million of them living in an organized society, according to laws written down in a book. Twelve tribes not fighting with one another. As Arab tribes have fought with one another throughout history and to this very day, Bilaam saw a community living peacefully with one another, the antithesis of the tribal lifestyle. And in amazement, he spoke words God made him speak, saying, This is a people that will dwell alone. The late uh, ignoramus raised by Jewish heretics, Yitzhak Rabin, addressed the Knesset a second time as prime minister in uh, 1992 and quoted that expression and said, no more, because that ignoramus of the Torah did not know it's not a curse, but highest praise, a people who dwell alone for their uniqueness. Every time the Gentiles at the UN in chorus bash us, yours truly smiles. Uh, we are the only people whose capital city, the world community denies, is our capital city. It belongs to the putatively primeval Palestinians. Uh, and when the Goyim do that and say that, I smile. Uh, because it's so blindingly false to support that position. There has no evidence in history to support the claim. There never was a, a Palestinian people ruling in Jerusalem. Versus the Bible that records the histories of some 44 kings who ruled over 800 years in this country, in the northern and southern kingdoms. It's so plainly a lie. That today's anti-Jews tell, when they speak this way, I see in this behavior their inadvertent support of the proof that Jews are the chosen people, chosen for this kind of lunacy. It is uh, evidence of the superhuman power of the Jewish religion and the people who keep it alive generation after generation. Jewishness, uh, that's a better term, I think, uh, than uh, Judaism as a translation for Yahadus. Isms are man-made philosophies, and Jewishness is not man-made. The five books are inhumanly brilliant, and living by them has not only sustained this people all these thousands of years, uh, when the ones who we lived among and oppressed us did no longer exist. Uh, likewise, out of Jewishness came Christian civilization and uh, Islamic culture. I hesitated to call it Islamic civilization, because so much of those people are not civilized. What other nation is told by the world community that its capital, uh, that it built, 
this people doesn't belong to them. I mean, no Palestinian people ever built anything in Jerusalem. And at the heart of uh, the endless conflict here, for example, the killing of an Arab yesterday by our warriors in Shechem, and the stabbing and shooting to death of Jews recently at the heart of the conflict is Jerusalem. And the heart of Jerusalem is the Temple Mount. Last Friday in the Israel Hayom newspaper, their Nadav Shragai, who writes a lot about the Temple Mount, wrote of studying a pile of Arab terrorists' uh, last will and testament uh, that they had written before going out to murder as many Jews as they could, in the knowledge the Jews would kill them, and that's what happened. He wrote of reading these things and of the frequent centrality of Al-Aqsa Mosque in these statements and the concern for the mosque being attacked and demolished by Al-Yahud. It is, is Al-Aqsa that motivated these homicidal suicide demons who were driven to murder Jews in the knowledge they themselves would also be killed by Jews. Many have left behind statements explaining their martyrdom. And most common is anxiety rooted in concern for Al-Aqsa Mosque, fear of Al-Yahud taking it over, destroying it. And in reading uh, Nadav Shagai's work, uh, I reached, I think, a deeper understanding of the Arabs than I ever had. I mean, I've long known the fact that Al-Aqsa Mosque has been repeatedly used over the last century by the Arabs to inflame the masses, uh, masses to savagery. For example, in August 1929, over three days, uh, there was a Jew-killing frenzy here. The Muslims murdered 137 of us at random, half of us in Hebron. After Hajjamin, the Grand Mufti, had distributed in the country doctored photographs of Al-Aqsa Mosque on fire. And the claim on the other side of the photograph was the claim that 500 Muslims had already been slain by Al-Yahud, the Jews. 71 years later, in the year 2000, Ariel Sharon just walked in front of Al-Aqsa, which was experienced as an insult and aggression, and the Al-Aqsa Mosque, Intifada, erupted. Israelis today call it the Second Intifada, but among the Muslim pogromists, it was given the name the Al-Aqsa Mosque Intifada. And remember uh, what happened here last May. The thousands of missiles launched from Gaza were launched as part of the violence in Jerusalem at the Temple Mount, and the hysterical Arab cry at the time, as always, that Al-Aqsa was under attack, being invaded and profaned by Al-Yahud, which wasn't true. It's always untrue. In fact, uh, for years, the enemy has also spread the fantasy that Israel is tunneling under Al-Aqsa Mosque in order to make it collapse. It is always Al-Aqsa Mosque that is the fuse the Muslims ignite when wanting to uh, murder Jews big time. Only now... Thanks to this report by Nadav Shragai, do I see another dimension to this behavior. Uh, like other Westerners, without realizing it, I judge this behavior, uh, this spreading of this lie about tunneling uh, under the mosque to make it collapse, to be a conscious lie, a ruse by the enemy who knows there is no truth to the lie. All's fair in love and war, and lying about the enemy is fair game. Now, though, the true religious dimension of this behavior becomes a little more apparent. This anxiety over the possibility of Al-Yahud invading and destroying Al-Aqsa Mosque is what drives these homicidal suicide freaks to their uh, demonic demise. The fantasy of the Jews demolishing Al-Aqsa is their worst nightmare because 
Their essence as Muslims is that of Allah's chosen people, with Al-Aqsa proof of this. If Muslims were not Allah's chosen people, he would not have let them overrun the Temple Mount, belonging to Al-Yahud at the time, who had lost their special relationship with Allah. The Christians had it for a while, but in the end, Islam took possession of the Jews' Temple Mount as proof that Allah sees in Muslims his chosen most beloved people. In fact, in the Hamas Charter of 1988, almost at the very top, it begins with the self-assertion that Muslims are God's favorite people. And the Jews lie in their Torah when they tell of the career of uh, Isaac, who was bound for a sacrifice. No, it was Ismail who was bound for a sacrifice. That's what the Muslims say. And uh, likewise, they say the Dome of the Rock and Al-Aqsa, indeed the entirety of what used to be the Jews' Temple Mount, became Muslim property. This is shameless, unselfconscious, guiltless intellectual property theft. The very idea of a special people among peoples, singled out, is a Jewish idea that Muhammad and his horde of illiterate highwaymen thought nothing of stealing and, and, and claiming for themselves the title that the Jews used to have, the chosen people. The demolition of Al-Aqsa is a Muslim's worst nightmare. That's what drives some of them uh, in its intensity to kill themselves and, of course, word, murder one or more Jews if they can as well.
everyone. This is Andrea Simento from Jerusalem inviting you to drop everything and join me on my show. Pull up a chair. We'll visit this week's quirky stories, meet fabulous guests, and discover my Israel. Together we'll laugh, shout, and explain the topics that make us say, hey, we've got to talk about that. So get comfortable and pull up a chair with me, Andrea Simento, every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. So the uh, thrust of this piece by Nadav Shagai uh, in, uh, on Friday, uh, written after he had perused all these suicide notes written by these suicide freaks, these maniacs, uh, all of them heart-sick in their fears uh, for Al-Aqsa Mosque, overrun by the Jews, Al-Yahud. Uh, their whole identity as Muslims is tied up in a psychic need to see themselves as superior to Jews, a hint of that appears in the Quran's commandment that the Jews be, quote, oppressed and humiliated, close quote, which they were every day since the rise of Islam. In other words, I no longer believe in the lies of propagandists that they spread that uh, I thought they know to be lies. Uh, no, they really believe these fairy tales, stimulated by the thoughts of Al-Aqsa Mosque being destroyed by Al-Yahud. The anxiety is real. Even if it is baseless, anxiety is really never baseless. There's some cause, but uh, it's not to be confused with a valid explanation for the anxiety. And here it plays a role in this behavior unique to our distant relatives, these Arab Muslims. How different we Israelites are from these Israelites. It's like night and day. Who else on this planet behaves as they do? To me, there is a world of information to be gleaned in the very few seconds of the security camera video of the stabbing attack two Sabbaths ago near Sharshchem in Jerusalem. That video of this crazed Arab youth with a knife, like a rabid dog, he was in a frenzy, stabbing at a Jewish man again and again in the back and the neck. The Ishmaelite was possessed by some kind of energy fueling his stabbing of the Jew again and again. And I submit for your consideration that this is the dimension of the relationship here between us Jews and these Arab Muslims, these hordes who surround us. One reason there has never been peace between Israel and Arabi is that this has never been a political conflict between two nations over some real estate who owns it. It has always been a jihad, a holy war, a religious war. For the first generation of the Zionist movement after the Balfour Declaration, up to the 1960s, the enemy here was led by a Muslim priest, not a politician, who insisted a Jewish state was impossible in a country called Philistine because there never had been such a country with that name in 14 centuries. And as Muslims, he was right. In all of those centuries, Islam had never known such a jurisdiction, a geography with familiar boundaries. Muslims called, uh, uh, as, did not call it Philistine as they do today. Hajimin al-Husseini in 1919 began publishing a newspaper in Jerusalem that he called Southern Syria to oppose the work of the League of Nations at that very moment, crafting a map of Palestine with the explicit labeling of it the, quote, historic Jewish homeland, close quote. Hajimin objected. The name Palestine had never been used by Arabs and Muslims. It was used by Jews and Christians as a synonym for the promised land in the Jewish Bible. Hajimin's rhetoric was exclusively religious in content, and never once did he refer to his Arab Muslim brethren here as Palestinians. 
In the 1920s and 30s and 40s here, only the Zionist Jews were proud to call themselves Palestinian Jews, or for short, just Palestinians. It's only since the Six-Day War that the terms of reference here have been turned on their heads. In the 1950s and 60s, this conflict was called the Arab-Israeli conflict, which was about the Arab, United Arab effort to deny an independent state to the Jews. But since the Six-Day War, the Arab-Israeli conflict was deleted, deleted from the conversation and, been tra and had been transformed into Israel-Palestinian conflict, in which the Jews are those who deny an independent state to the Palestinians. But historically and in fact, the essential resistance to Israel has always been religious. And it's about time Israel embarked on a crusade to uh, refurbish the terms of reference and address the true root cause of the conflict, which is Islam's inability to let us Jews live free of their oppression and humiliation that we suffered for 14 centuries until 1948 when we broke free, but we continue to suffer to this very day. I think over the last month there were a half a dozen attempted murders of Jews by these Arab Muslims, uh, some successful. And uh, in the heart of it all is the obsession with Al-Aqsa Mosque and the fantasy it is that it is constantly under attack by Israel because the Jews want to demolish it. And I speculate the source of this anxiety is the unconscious knowledge that uh, Haram al-Sharif, the whole Temple Mount, is theirs only because the first Muslim invaders stole it from the Jews. They know that. The greatest of exegetes of the five books, Rashi, writing a thousand years ago, commented on the expulsion of Ishmael, saying he became an armed robber, a highwayman, who preys upon the defenseless in transit. And, and then in the 20th century, Gertrude Bell, amateur Arabist in the 1920s, described how she enjoyed watching the Arab tribes she traveled with, how they raided one another's encampments to make off with money, objects, women, goats, camels, in the knowledge that when the victim tribe gets back on its feet, it will counterattack to retrieve what was taken, and then some. It was a way of life with these people. And so today the Muslims know at some buried level of consciousness that their forefathers stole the Temple Mount from the Jews, so it's normal to expect the Jews at some point to counterattack and take it back. And that would be a terrible fate for Muslims. Evidence that Allah no longer loves the seed of Ishmael if the Jews do that. Notice above all that the character of Ismail in Islam is nothing but the character of Ishmael in the Torah, whose story has been plagiarized. The very name Islam alludes to the theft of Jewishness. It means submission and points to Ibrahim submitting to Allah's command he bind his son for a sacrifice. This is nothing but intellectual property theft, spiritual property theft. If it were possible for the Jewish nation to go to court and sue the Islamic nation for copyright infringement, we'd make a bundle. By my own account, there are at least two dozen Jews found in our Bible who appear in the Quran too, and in every case with distortions to their stories. Islam is nothing but the seed of Ishmael, a firstborn son disinherited of his father's greatest treasure, his religion. Ishmael jealous of his half-brother, who was the favored one. Whatever the Jews have, the Muslims covet and feel it is unjust that Al-Yahud has something they don't. Al-Yahud, according to today's Fatah chieftain, Dr. Mahmoud Abbas, historian extraordinaire, the Jews invented the Holocaust to make the world feel guilty 
and get the UN to allow the Zionists after the war to steal Palestine from the Palestinians. So the Palestinians, jealous of the power of anti-Semitism and the Holocaust to get the world to do their bidding, they invented the Nakba. Uh, when Jews, acting like Nazis, stole Palestine from uh, its archaic inhabitants, Islam is nothing but Jewishness purloined and perverted, and Palestinian nationalism is nothing but Zionism purloined and perverted. In this context, we can focus on some news out of Washington last Friday, where the House Foreign Affairs Committee, dominated by Democrats, voted in support of a proposed bill proposed by the Somali anti-Jewess, Ilhan Omar, and the Jewish anti-Jewess, Representative Jan Shekowski, uh, calling on the State Department to budget time and money to create an Islamophobia monitor because it has an anti-Semitism monitor. Uh, the bill now goes to the House floor. It's an historic truth that whatever the Jews possess, the Arabs will covet and want either to steal it or receive an object of equal worth. The Arabs see an anti-Semitism they see the flinging this charge by Jews at people to get their way, a powerful weapon. The Jews exploited their victimization and used it to blackmail others into doing their bidding. And the Muslims want the same power, the same weapon. If the State Department monitors the level of anti-Semitism, it must also monitor Islamophobia. Islamophobia, this dishonest, crackpot verbal attempt at having a Muslim equivalent of anti-Semitism. Thank you. 
Are you interested in transforming your life, drawing closer to the Creator, and uncovering the deeper meanings and hidden treasures in the Hebrew Bible? Then join me, Rav Yitzhak Michelson, and me, William Hall, on the Science of Kabbalah, where we are seeking to narrow the gap between what we understand of our physical and spiritual worlds. So make sure to tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Israel time, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, here on Israel News Talk Radio. Yeah, uh, Representative Ilhan Omar and nominal Jews supporting her uh, on the committee want the State Department to monitor Islamophobia, and I await the day some rational voice will attack this nonsense in a class with the nonsense of gender and transgender and transphobia. Islamophobia. Dr. Freud chose the Greek word phobia to label fears without any realistic basis, so Islamophobia... Uh, wants to say that fear of Islam is baseless, and I say, what? 9-11 is baseless? The Boston Marathon is baseless? Fort Hood, Chattanooga, San Bernardino? The Bataclan nightclub in Paris, hundreds dead. The bombing in Manchester of a rock concert, 22 dead. The truck bombing in Nice, France, Bastille Day, 2016, 85 dead, and so on, and so forth, ad nauseum. Not to mention what the world today no longer remembers, the endless PLO skyjackings in the 1960s and 70s and 80s, the, the blowing up of airliners in mid-flight. The word Islamophobia is an evil word for denying the existence of evil committed in the name of Islam. To fear Islam is not irrational. It's not a phobia. The word was invented as an imitation of anti-Semitism when there is no comparison between hostility to Jews and hostility to Muslims. In the debate in the House of Representatives last Friday, Rev. Uh, Representative Steve Chabot, a Republican of Ohio, made the case that establishing such a monitor would undermine the work of the anti-Semitism monitor. He said, quote, To suggest that Islamophobia is on a par with anti-Semitism is to dramatically understate and even trivialize the historic and pervasive nature that makes anti-Semitism such a difficult problem to solve. We should avoid such dangerous false equivalency at all costs, and it could be used, as it could be used by some extremists, to actually justify further anti-Semitic activity. I say bravo. This is one knowledgeable and wise American politician. Whatever we Jews have, the Arabs, the Muslims, covet and experience its lack uh, as discomfort, and that it's unfair, it's an injustice. It's not right that the Jews have something Muslims do not. This is the voice of Ishmael, thousands of years ago, embittered that as Abraham's first son, he should have inherited his mantle. Instead, the title went to his younger half-brother Yitzchak. And not only that, Ishmael was expelled from Abraham's tents. We know, for example, that when Abraham went to rescue his nephew Lot, being held hostage in Damascus, by the PLO of the day, he took with him 318 fighters, suggesting a community of women and children and the aged, over a thousand people maybe. Ishmael was expelled from that community and almost died of thirst, who when dehydrating experienced abandonment by his own mother, who left him by himself. Ishmael, expelled by his father, abandoned to die by his mother, a firstborn son, disinherited. He was one bitter fellow. According to uh, this report, we learned that the pro-Muslim uh, Democrats on the committee 
argued that the U.S. government was capable of simultaneously tracking, quote, both bigotries. Also worthy of note is that the Jewish Democrats on the committee were among the first to speak in the bill's defense. They argued that an Islamophobia monitor would complement and not undercut this anti the anti-Semitism monitor. Of course it would. It would deflate the unique position in society anti-Semitism plays. It would duplicate what we see every January 27, when UN Holocaust Remembrance Day rolls around, governments issue statements mentioning anti-Semitism and Holocaust, and then they add a laundry list of other unacceptable isms, racisms, anti-gayisms, and so on and so forth. And of course, it was the Democrats of Jewish extraction who led the fight for Ilhan Omer's bill. Lest they be suspected of Jewish cliquishness and clannishness, they are symbolic of the death of the vast American Jewish community that doesn't observe and live a Jewish life. The, the report and others, I imagine, uh, uh, refer to Jan Schakowsky as Jewish. And I personally have a problem with that. I don't doubt for a second she is legally a Jewess, but so is Bernie Sanders. And to my mind, this is not the same thing. Being legally a Jew and being Jewish are two very different things. Bernie Sanders is a Jew, legally, but otherwise there's nothing Jewish about the man. Existentially, there's nothing Jewish about his existence, his behavior, his feelings. Likewise, Jan Schakowsky and Ted Deutsch of Florida, who voted with this, and Susan Weil of Pennsylvania and Andrew Levin of Michigan, a chip off the old block of Uncle Senator Carl Levin, who, whenever Israel needed help, was nowhere to be found. Establishing this inti is this Islamophobia monitor is nothing but catering to the anti-Jew bile in, in Ilhan Omer and backers, including these Jinos, these Jews in name only. The good news on that front, the Jino front, uh, is in Jerusalem this week, and that the government has chosen to follow in Bibi's footsteps in the matter of catering, not catering to a handful of Reformed Jews. Uh, who uh, made headlines in the years past by causing trouble at the Western Wall every uh, new month. In 2016, Prime Minister Netanyahu agreed to cater to their desires to expand the space they now have that is never used. But the following year, he canceled what he agreed to because religious parties demanded that he do that. And now religious services minister, the modern Orthodox Matan Kahana, has just reversed himself in the same way. He says on that issue, the government will do nothing for now in fear of violence by the Haredi community. They are the principal users of the wall, those who live so close. Uh, Kahana was basically upfront about the reversal. He spoke of incitement and hatred that he did not want to rouse. Early last month, Foreign Minister Yir Lapid said the Western said, quote, the Western Wall compromise of two thousand sixteen, as he called it, is the right thing to do from the religious point of view and also for everything consecutive with the diaspora, close quote. This is from this deep thinker whose understanding of anti-Semitism reflects a shallow, uneducated provincial man and this matter on display is his ignorance of the diaspora. After 73 years of Israel reborn, those who came here in this period came not as refugees and in need of asylum, as in the post-war years, but for meaning in life, and among them there were almost no Reformed Jews, which is perfectly understandable. From the get-go, the Zionist movement was adamantly opposed by Reformed Jews. The Reformed were uh, prominent mostly in the U.S. in the 19th century, who liked living in the, U in the U.S. and wanted no part of any charge of dual loyalty or non-loyalty 
a la Captain Dreyfus, accused of treason three years before the first Zionist Congress. Reformed Judaism from its birth in the first decade of the 19th century rejected membership in the Jewish nation. Their nation, they said, was Germany. The, the reformers deleted traditional age-old prayers, pining for Jerusalem, pining to build the third temple. On purpose, ideologically, the reformers called their buildings temples, not synagogues, in order to make the statement to their Gentile neighbors that their temple was right there in Hamburg, on Frankfurt, on Berlin. Which is why the reformers' temper tantrum about equality at the wall has always been ideological nonsense. The wall is a substitute for the destroyed temples, where one prays for the third and final temple. And even possibly, the reformer are not going to like this, reestablishing the animal sacrifices, oh boy. A reformed Jew who takes his self-definition seriously has no business at the Western Wall. It is respect for straight thinking and honesty that the plan catering to reformed Jews has been again canceled. Okay, that's it for this last podcast in a series of six, generously sponsored by Floridians for the Safety and Security of Israel Institute. This week's music was by Mickey Rosenbaum and by Aviel, and we conclude, as usual, with Yosef Karduner. Uh, after this, it's back to three podcasts a week for subscribers at www.phantom-nation.com at the unbelievably low price of $3.75 a week for all three. Those who have listened uh, three or more times would be nice if you subscribe. If after a month it does not work for you, cancel and receive a full refund. And even after that, cancel at any time. Lila Tov from the occupied Jewish territories.
love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page, and don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 